Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. So today on this solo episode, I will be chatting about the Broadway shows that I have seen mostly in the past few weeks, but I saw some of these late last year. So I'll just say the Broadway shows that I've seen this Tony Award season in 2023. The context here, which you might be like, huh? Why are we talking about Broadway? There's a lot of context here. So first thing to start with is if you know me in real life, you know that one of my greatest passions is Broadway, musicals and plays. There's just something about live theater that I can't even describe. It's it's how I feel on a lesser level to seeing movies in theaters. But this just like collective experience, live, all in the same audience, I absolutely love it. And then for me, like the talent on Broadway is just mind-blowing. And I can't overstate that enough. Like I feel like I've seen I've seen some shows all over. There's people in London that are amazing and there's sometimes I see shows in LA that are great, but pretty consistently New York City Broadway has just the most incredible talent. Voices, singing, acting, dancing, character work, like it's just transcendent. And not all of them are. A lot of the shows I watch are eh some are great. And every once in a while, you get one that changes everything. And just, it leaves you speechless. And that's why I love theater. And I share this passion with my mom, which is really special. She is a doctor, which you may already know. So it's a little random. But we both just share this deep, deep love and passion for shows. And so the context here is every single year, We try to, and it hasn't always been possible with COVID and work stuff, but we really, really try to go to New York in the month of May for one week and see shows. And May is the perfect month because the Tony nominations, which is the award show for Broadway, those come out at the end of April and the Tonys are at the beginning of June. So the month of May in New York on Broadway is so exciting because people have just gotten nominated or they haven't. And like a lot of the shows are getting buzz around them because who knows who's going to win in June. So anyway, this is something that we splurge on every year. And we're sitting in the back mezzanine most of the time because, you know, it's not cheap, but it's our special week that we have together. And I want to say we've done it now, like maybe seven or eight times. It's the happiest time ever. So anyway, that's the context. And so a lot of people in my life know that we see a lot of shows. And when I say a lot, I know this is going to sound insane, so bear with me, but a couple weeks ago, we went for a full week and we saw 10 shows in one week, (laughs) which is even crazy saying out loud, but we, we double up on Saturdays and we double up on Wednesdays and it's just the happiest time ever. So 
Anyway, today I wanted to do a recap. I've got a lot of people asking me, what shows did you like? What shows did you not like? What should I see? And so this episode is a recap on what we thought. So I ended up seeing 10 shows this past time, and then I saw four shows in November 2022 when I came out to New York. And I came out to New York because one of my favorite actors of all time was in a show for only five days. It ended up actually getting picked up on Broadway, but we didn't know that at the time. So my mom and I actually went out back in November and saw four shows. So today I'm going to give a review of, and I won't make it too long, I promise, but a review of the 14 shows that I've seen from this award season. So these are the 14 shows that we saw. One thing to keep in mind is I am a little bit picky with deal breaker shows. So there's some shows I just like won't see that I'll actually start with and then I'll run through the show names. So I won't see stuff that's too gory. I don't love the whole bloody violence thing. So Sweeney Todd, we did not see, even though Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford got nominated and it's, you know, doing really well right now on Broadway. Like I don't do gory. Like I'm pretty sensitive to that. So that was out. I don't really love super, super historical stuff. I can do it in doses for sure. And I can appreciate history, but we tend to like more of the modern, fresh shows. So like Leopoldstadt, we didn't see. This is controversial, but like I only liked Hamilton. I didn't love it. So we don't always see those kinds of shows. And then some shows weren't there, which is sad. But we tried to see as many as we could that were nominated and that seemed great. Okay, so these are the 14 that we saw. Four November, 10 in May. And Juliet, Parade, Almost Famous, A Beautiful Noise, which is the Neil Diamond musical. Kimberly Akimbo, Good Night Oscar, Once Upon a One More Time, Fat Ham, Shucked, Life of Pi, Prima Fosse, Summer 1976, The Thanksgiving Play, and MJ the Musical. Okay, so those are the 14. Hopefully you recognize some names in there. I'm going to start with some of the shockers of like what was like surprisingly good and surprisingly bad. And then I'm going to go through what our ratings were because we do a whole rating system. Okay, so the shockers. The Thanksgiving play, we were really excited about. That was one of the 14. It has Scott Foley in it from Grey's Anatomy and I think Scandal, I want to say. He's great. Darcy Carden, who's really funny. I don't know what she's in. The guy from This Is Us. I think his name's Chris Sullivan. So it had an amazing cast and a great premise. It was about teachers putting on a Thanksgiving play that wasn't offensive, that was like very politically correct. And it had a great premise. It was extremely bad. And I would say that's like one of the main shockers. I kind of wanted to start with this so people don't see the Thanksgiving play. The actors must be lovely people, but like they're better for TV than they are for Broadway. And the material was really bad. So that's like the first shocker I'll say, do not see the Thanksgiving play. It is not good. It was like one of the worst shows I've seen in a while. The second shocker was the play Fat Ham. I really liked, or no, I liked. I wouldn't say I really liked, I liked. And my mom really didn't like it. We typically actually have the same opinions on most things. It's like very rare that we strongly disagree. Like I would say maybe only two of the 14 shows we like have that different of an opinion. So I liked it, she didn't. The premise is basically a very, very, very modernized version of Hamlet, but it doesn't have any Shakespeare wording, which I don't, I wouldn't like. It takes place like a family barbecue. And so it's kind of like how She's the Man, which is a great Amanda Bynes movie, is based off of the Shakespeare 
novel Twelfth Night. But when you watch She's the Man, you would have no idea. That's kind of what this play is. So anyway, I say that about Fat Hand because everyone is loving it on the internet. And I'll say it's like actually more polarizing than people are giving it credit for. I really appreciated how modern it was. I thought it was funny. I thought the acting, especially there was like a mom in the show who was brilliant and she got nominated for a Tony and she totally deserved it. But my mom really didn't like it. I think the plot line is a bit one-dimensional, like not much happens. It just takes place at a barbecue and it's a little bit silly. And so I think, yeah, it just like didn't resonate with her as much. So anyway, something to note about Fat Ham. Okay, two more shockers and then I'll get into the ratings. The second shocker was I saw, we saw MJ the musical, which is Michael Jackson's musical about his life. And actually his estate, I think, either paid for some of it or gave their stamp of approval, something like that. And it's so funny because I saw it a year ago when it first came out with Miles Frost. He actually won the Tony Award for it in 2022. And I was blown away. I was like probably my favorite show, one of my favorite shows I saw a year ago. I was like, Miles Frost needs to win the Tony. He played, you know, Michael Jackson. And it's so hard to play Michael Jackson well. He had the acting down, the character work down, the singing down, the dancing down. I mean, it was insane. He became Michael Jackson. And I was also sitting like really close because it was just me seeing it. My mom wasn't there. I also randomly sat behind Frankie Grande, who's Ariana Grande's brother, which is kind of funny. But it was incredible. I mean, I thought that he was so brilliant. I was mesmerized. This time around, I saw MJ because it was so good and my mom hadn't seen it. And I said, we should see it. Even though Miles Frost is not in it anymore, we should still see it. And I was really disappointed. First of all, Miles Frost is not in it. They have a new guy in it, but that guy was out. So they had the understudy for that guy. So it was like, it was not genius the way that I thought it was the first time. And it was so crazy for me because I think sometimes we know that the lead actor or actress really makes or breaks a show. We know that in theory, but I got to see two versions of the show, one with a mind-blowingly genius actor and then one with just a really mediocre actor, in my opinion. And I mean, he was good, but he wasn't genius. And that was disappointing. Something to note about MJ too, like not that I wouldn't recommend it. I think it's still good to see, but it's not as incredible without Miles Frost. Second half of the episode, I'm going to walk through each show and what we rated it. So this is my mom and I being crazy, but we love it. We rate every show we see and we keep track of it every time we, we go. It's kind of funny. So I'll walk you through the rating system. It's very simple. And then I'll go from worst show to best show. So we're like really building up the hype. So you got to wait to the end of the episode to find out the best show. And I'll give you a sneak peek now. There was one show of the 14 that was absolutely mind-blowing. One of the best shows we've seen in years, which I will reveal at the end of the episode. Okay. So the rating system is out of 30 points. It's very simple. So out of 30 points, there's three categories. There's you pick a number one to 10 for each of the three categories, and then you add them up. And whatever has the most points is at the top of the leaderboard, and whatever has the least amount of points is at the bottom of the leaderboard. So these are the three categories that we judge the shows by. The first category is pure engagement slash enjoyment. So this category basically means, does time fly? Is the plot amazing? Are the characters interesting? Are you basically like lost in the story? We all have been there. We're like, we're in a class at school or we're watching something and we just kind of disengage a little bit. This rating is for that. 
are you just absolutely lost in the story? Is time flying? Do you just love the plot and you can't get enough? You don't want it to end. That's that first bucket, okay? So we call that pure engagement slash enjoyment. The second bucket is performance. So what's the quality of the acting, the singing, the dancing? I think sometimes a really, really genius performance can just like shoot it way up. But if there isn't anyone that's that memorable, it doesn't really get a good score there. Or if like one of those categories, like, you know, maybe the singing and dancing is good, but the acting is just bad. To be very clear, like my mom and I are not experts at all, but we love this stuff and study this stuff. So I always joke, I'm like the Simon Cowell for musical theater because I can't do any of these things, (laughs) but I love watching it and studying it. So that's important context. All these ratings have no like professional, I mean, I guess I did do musical theater a lot and like have taken voice lessons and dance lessons and acting, but like never professionally. So these have no credibility, but just my own opinions and my mom's opinions. Okay. So first bucket is pure engagement enjoyment. Second bucket is performance. And then third bucket is, did we learn something educational slash was it impactful? I think the best books, movies, musicals, plays, whatever they are, leave you thinking about them for a long time afterwards. And they maybe change your perspective on something and maybe even make you change your mind about your own life. That's the third bucket that we have, educational or or impactful or inspiring. So I'm going to start at the very bottom. My mom and I had basically the same ratings. I'll flag the couple ones that were different. So at the very bottom, we basically have like, of the 14, we have one extremely bad one, one extremely incredible one. And then we have, so that leaves us with 12 remaining. One is incredible at the top. One is incredible. One is really bad at the bottom. And then we have basically like three chunks of four in between there. So there's like a very good column, a medium, but still great column that we actually really liked. And then sort of like a, eh, don't necessarily have to see column. So it's like one, four, 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 one. So the very bottom terrible one I already mentioned was the Thanksgiving play. Do not see it. I won't go into depth about my thoughts. I already kind of did. It just really, the the writing is so bad. The actors don't even have much to work with. And it's like cringy. Like there's a moment where they like take these like, I'm not even, it's so gross. There's like, there's like a very bloody, I also have issues with blood. So maybe that's part of it. But there's like a kind of like a bloody scene for no reason. And the whole thing is just a little bit, ditzy and stupid. I really wouldn't recommend it. Won't even speak about it more. Okay. Then the chunk that I would call good. So this is just above it. Oh, and the Thanksgiving play, I gave it a 10. My mom gave it a six out of 30. (laughs) Really bad. Okay. Then the next section up ranges from, for me, 15 to 18 points. And for my mom from 12 to 19 points. So this was the like, good, but like maybe don't see it if you can only see a few shows. And these shows were, so the very bottom one for me, Once Upon a One More Time, I gave it a 15. This is the new Britney Spears musical. So it's not about her life. It's using her songs in another plot. Kind of like how ABBA songs are in Mamma Mia. The Beatles songs are in Across the Universe. That's what this show is. It's not great. It's fine. I think there were moments that were cute the lead singer didn't have a good enough voice. And I think that really bothered us. And so that was frustrating because she sang a lot. And it was okay. The plot was about fairy tales and princesses. And it was sort of like silly. The reason we saw it was because it was a Monday night. And usually most Broadway shows are not open on Monday nights. So 
we wanted to see something and that was kind of the only thing around, but I wouldn't recommend it. It wasn't overly great. Okay, the next one up in that section was the Neil Diamond musical, A Beautiful Noise. Again, like the guy who played Neil Diamond, the lead singer, was just not great. I didn't love his voice, didn't think he was that great at the acting bit. And it was unfortunate because Neil Diamond is a legend. But I just didn't think that the the show really grabbed me. I was kind of lost a lot of the time. And I didn't think the performance was that strong. Okay, next up from that was Fat Ham, which got 18 points. I don't know if I said this, but Neil Diamond's show got 15. Fat Ham got 18 points. It was good. I mean, I think it's worth seeing. The playwright was amazing. I really thought the way that he modernized Hamlet was really cool. And it centers on the story of like a young queer black man and his family at a barbecue and it mimics Hamlet. So someone dies and they're all coming to terms with their identity. And it's like different family members are dating different family members. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird, but like that's kind of what Shakespeare was. And it is very, very much modernized. And the mom in the show is brilliant. And she actually got nominated for a Tony. So I almost think it's worth it to just see her performance. Shout out Nikki Crawford. She's amazing. But it's, you know, take it or leave it. That's the show that my mom did not like. And then the next one up in that category is MJ the Musical, which I gave it an 18. I truly think I gave it like a 26 or 27 when I saw it a year ago. But that's just because the lead I didn't didn't love as much. Still a good show. Still great music. If you love MJ's music, you're going to enjoy yourself. But it's just, if the Michael Jackson isn't great, it's hard to watch. I will say the show has three Michael Jacksons. There's the one main one that I'm referring to, but there's also a teenage Michael Jackson and a young little kid Michael Jackson. The childhood Michael Jackson, like the, it's supposed to be like an eight-year-old Michael Jackson. He's brilliant. And he's the same one I saw a year ago. He's still in the show. Okay, so MJ, Fat Ham, Neil Diamond, A Beautiful Noise, and Once Upon One More Time, those are in that, you know, that bottom, just fine category. Okay, then we're going to bump up to our middle four. This is in the great category. I would recommend all of these. Okay, so the one up from MJ is Almost Famous. I actually don't think it's around anymore. So even though I liked it, I don't think the critics liked it at all. The lead actually left the role and he's now in Back to the Future, which is coming out in a few months. So yeah, I don't think people liked it. It's based off of the movie Almost Famous, the Kate Hudson movie. I thought it was fun. I thought it was light. I love the movie. I thought that the the show was great. I enjoyed it. I just think critics really didn't. And so I don't think it's actually around anymore. And that got 21 points. Then the one above that, I guess same score, 21 points, was Goodnight Oscar. And that's the show with Sean Hayes, who is amazing from Will and & Grace. And the plot was a little hard to follow, but the reason it got as high of a score of it did, and I think it's totally worth seeing, is because Sean Hayes was brilliant. He plays a very schizophrenic, famous pianist. And he really embodies this pianist. He doesn't act like himself or seem like himself at all. Because in normal life, he's a funny comedian. But he was really brilliant. And it's about, it's basically the story of this really brilliant pianist who then develops schizophrenia, has to go to mental institutions, and then has one night where he leaves the mental institution and goes on a talk show and what that all looks like and sort of seeing what it was like to have a mental illness 50, 60 years ago when we didn't know as much as we do now. So I think the plot was a bit hard to follow, but his 
performance is so brilliant, I would say totally see it. And I think he's going to win the Tony for it. It was that good. That's a show my mom liked even more than I did. But Goodnight Oscar, I would recommend. And pretty much all the shows I'm going to talk about from now on, I recommend. So I think we can just, everything I talk about, hopefully you hear the excitement in my voice, and I recommend any of them. Um, I'll try to clarify what kind of shows you should see based on who you are. So Goodnight Oscar is like, if you love really good performances, if you like seeing plays, and you have an interest in like mental health disorders and like period pieces a little bit because it took place several, several decades ago. Okay, the one above from that is Shucked, and that got 22 points. That one, I thought I was going to like more than I did. I still really liked it. It's a new musical comedy. It's very corny. That's the whole point. It takes place in a small town where they grow and sell corn as a way to live. Their corn starts to die, and they need to go out into the real world and have people come and help them. The show was cute, but it wasn't impactful at all. It was just cute and funny and kind of corny. But it lacked a little bit of depth. I still really enjoyed it. I thought the performances were great. Alex Newell has an amazing voice. And they'll probably win the Tony too. But yeah, it was just fun and light. So if you're someone that likes musicals, that likes comedies, that wants to just keep it really, really light, I think everyone would enjoy it. It's also like a good show for younger people. Like I feel like not really kids, like teenagers, 20-somethings. It's like, it doesn't deal with heavy material. It's just fun. Okay, the next show was Kimberly Akimbo that got 23 points. That show is really interesting. It's about a woman who is born with a condition where she ages, I want to say four times faster than the average person. So, you know, she plays a 16-year-old high schooler, but she looks 80, whatever that is. You know, 70, I don't know, 16 times four. I don't do, I don't do math publicly. But yeah, you get it, 74. So basically she's a 16-year-old that looks 74. And what does it look like to have that disorder where she's also going to die no older than 20 because her body is fully physically aging four times faster than everyone else. So the actress that plays Kimberly is really brilliant. She's actually, I think, like a 60-year-old woman, which is kind of wild. So she has to sort of play a little bit older, but also a 16-year-old. Like she kind of has to play on both ends of the spectrum. And it's about like, you know, you are a 16-year-old girl, but you look 74. What does falling in love look like? What does having friends look like? What does your relationship with your parents look like when they know you're going to die soon? It's all that. And I thought it was really deep and enjoyable. And it's a musical. So there's also great songs. And I really like it. I really liked it. I would recommend it. I think that's another kind of one like Shucked. It has more depth than Shucked, but it's like a light musical. It is kind of sad because you know she's going to die, but it's still very thought-provoking and light. So that's that's one to, one to watch. So yeah, that's the middle chunk from 21 to 23. Okay, now we're going to do, we're in our top five now. So I'm going to count these down. The fifth best show of the 14 is Summer 1976, which got 24 points. And to clarify too, this top five is the same as my mom's top five. So we had the same opinions of the ones we were blown away by. And these top five, I would say, drop everything and see them. Like truly these five were incredible. We'll not forget them for a very long time. And especially the number one, which I'll get to. Okay, so for those of you that are still listening, thank you for bearing with me. I appreciate you relishing in this this passion with me. (laughs) I know it's a lot, but this is the good stuff. These are the top five. So the fifth one is Summer 1976, and that got 24 points. And that one is a show, it's a two-woman play, 
with Laura Linney, who we all know and love, especially from Love Actually. Shout out Love Actually. And Jessica Hetched, I want to say her name is. And they play two moms and the play highlights their friendship over 25 years. So it starts with them and they're very different. One is more of like the classic hippie smokes pot vibe. And the other one is a little bit more like uptight, sort of pretentious, but their daughters become best friends. And so the show was all about what it was like when they first met, how they got close. They both went through separate hard times, how they showed up for each other. And then over the course of 25 years, kind of how their kids turned out and how they turned out. I, I really, really loved it. I, first of all, the acting was insane because it was Laura and Jessica who are incredible actresses. I thought that it was so deeply moving to think about and talk about what it means to have friends, female friends that are there for you or not there for you. The writing was good. It was funny. It was bitey. And it was shocking at moments too. Like when bad stuff happened, you were like, oh, wow. Okay. And it just, I got completely lost in the story. I would recommend this show for any person, but especially women. And it was really special to see the show with my mom. And I think friendships are such an interesting thing that we don't talk about enough. We've all had those friends that we've loved for decades and friends that we've lost. And it explores both of those. And I just think it was a really, really beautiful showing also of how you can be very close to someone who is really different from you. And I think friends can be soulmates. And I think that was part of what this show really dived into. And so I really loved it. I thought the acting was amazing and I really, really highly recommend. Okay, the show above that, oh my gosh, this is Parade. It got 25 points. This is the show that we flew out for in November because Ben Platt is one of my favorite actors and singers. And he was in the show for, it's supposed to only be, I think, like five days, but then it was so brilliant for those five days, they moved it to Broadway. And this show was so good. It was really hard to watch though. And this is going to be a show, it's a musical, and it's a show for people who are okay with watching hard things. The premise is basically, that takes place, I want to say, I don't want to get the timing wrong here. It takes place in, I think, like the 1950s, 40s, 30s. I don't know. I'm not a big history person. But it takes place when there was a lot of, and there still is, but there back then there was a significant amount of anti-Semitism. And there was a Jewish man who runs a factory who was wrongfully convicted of murdering a little girl. And what that story is like for him to be wrongfully convicted. And what that is like for his family and what that's like for the town. And it's just such, such a moving show. And Ben Platt could not be more brilliant in it. I mean, truly. And Michaela Diamond, who plays his wife, is they're just, like their voices are mind-blowing, but then also their performances are really mind-blowing too. But it's really hard to watch. And especially if you're Jewish, I think it's like an important thing to see, but it's hard to watch. But the performances are just brilliant. And it really made me think for a long time after. It also made me sad. So yeah, it was very moving. Like it's one of those shows where, you know, sometimes you watch something or you read something and you just like really sit with it for a few hours and you just like process. Felt like that's what that show was like. I could not recommend it more. It was it was very, very, very good. And I don't think it's actually going to be there for much longer. So a lot of these shows are not going to have the original cast for much longer. So I would try to see them as soon as you can. Okay, the next show is sort of the opposite of Parade, but still great. It's called Anne Juliet, and it got 27 points. 
And the reason it's the opposite is it's so light and fun. And Juliet feels like a party. And I just absolutely loved it. Uh, it's, it feels like hanging out with your girlfriends. And, you know, it's, it's totally a show for everyone, but it definitely was, you're laughing, the music is amazing, and the plot is really interesting. So basically the plot is taking Romeo and Juliet and asking what would happen if Juliet didn't die. And she actually just like woke up. And how, what does her life look like after that? But then modernized. So again, it's not like the Shakespeare talk. It's like she's a normal 16-year-old girl that wakes up and is like, wait a sec. Like, I want to claim my life back. I want to be independent. Like, I'm not going to be sad over a boy. Like, I'm going to go and see the world and do things and be my independent self. And so it's the story of Juliet and like what happens to her after she doesn't die if it were to take place today. And then the soundtrack is so cool because they incorporate pop songs as the song soundtrack. So, you know, think like Katy Perry songs, Britney Spears songs, Beyonce songs, things like that. That's what the soundtrack is. So it's so fun because you know all the, the songs. Betsy Wolf is in it and she's incredible. The woman who plays Anne Juliet, Lorna Courtney is incredible. And I think the whole cast, it's really, it's really well done. I honestly have no critiques. It's just fun. It's light. It's a really modern take on what happens post-Romeo and Juliet. And it's very empowering. I left that show feeling like I could do anything. You know, that's the vibe that you get when you leave. Okay, so that's the third best show is Anne Juliet. Fourth is Parade. Fifth was Summer 1976. Okay, now we're getting to the top two. It's getting really good. Okay, so the number two show we saw was Prima Fosse. And that one got 27 points. And that play was incredible. It was a one-woman show, which I'm typically like, I don't know if I can do a one-woman show. That's a lot on her. And what if she's not good? It was Jodie Comer, who people may recognize from like Killing Eve. And she's been in a lot of stuff. And she was mind-blowing. She definitely needs to win the Tony, hands down. The show premise is so deeply moving. Everyone needs to see it. The premise is she is a criminal defense attorney in London and she's living her life and she's crushing it and she's top of her class and she's got all these friends and she talks to you about how much she just, she talks to the audience about how much she just loves the justice system and how, how great it is. And you're just like, oh, great. She's just a brilliant, normal girl living in London and she's so interesting and she's got this great life. And then you see, oh, some of her cases, she's defending criminals. And it's like, huh, and you hear her rationalize it. You know, it's about the justice system and it always works out and it's just about telling good stories and it's up to the jury to decide. And But you see that she's defending these criminals and you're like, huh, okay. And you're learning about what it means to be in the mindset of a, of a lawyer that defends them and how they go to sleep at night doing that. And then I won't reveal everything, but this is part of the plot. One of the criminals she defends, and, and she defends multiple, yeah unfortunately commits sexual assault. And so you see what that's like. And then she herself experiences sexual assault and she herself has to go through the justice system. And you watch all of that and you come away realizing, and I'm not ruining anything, you, you know, you need to see this for yourself, but how the justice system really, really does not support victims at all. And one of the key things she talked about, which I'll say here, because I do think it's really important, even if you don't see the show, is our justice system rewards being able to recall events chronologically with no holes whatsoever so that we can feel confident that what you're saying is what actually happened. 
But what happens when you experience some form of trauma is you actually, things get really blurry and really fuzzy and you almost have tunnel vision and your brain literally blocks out stuff. And so you have these women and people, men get sexually assaulted too, that go in the stand and they are asked all these questions and they kind of can't really remember what happened because they were mentally blocked. And then the defense tries to make it look like it's faulty or like they don't really know what happened. When in reality, they their mind literally to protect them blocked out a lot of this, a lot of the trauma. And so you see her realize, oh my gosh, this justice system was built by men who've never experienced this for the most part and don't understand that actually we can't we can't judge whether or not something happened based on your ability to say a clear timeline and to remember all the details. We just can't. And that we put women through that. You know, we put victims through that. They have to stand up there, humiliated, talk about all the details with like their family in the audience, with the perpetrator right there. I mean, you just, we all know that that legal process is really challenging to go through if you've been sexually assaulted, but to see this lawyer who had once defended criminals now understand that the, actually the justice system is is broken was just extremely powerful. And it that was one of those shows where, you know, you never forget it and you just sit there and you and you think about it. And you know, one in three women will get sexually assaulted. One in three. And it's very important that men, women, people of all kinds see this show so they understand what that's like and what the justice system will do to you if that happens. So anyway, I can't recommend that show enough. It really was, I've been thinking about it a lot since I saw it. All right. And now, which you've all been waiting for, the number one show. This show, this is the best show I've seen in a long time. Probably since I saw Dear Evan Hansen. So at intermission, I'll say the show in a second, at intermission was like breathless. It was the weirdest feeling. I was like, and I like almost forgot where I was and I was fully breathless. And then when the show ended, I don't even know why, but I felt emotional and I couldn't even place why. I just thought what I had seen was so beautiful. And that never happens to me ever, ever. It was like this like subconscious, I was just blown away. And my body didn't even like know how to react. I was just like, I can't believe what I just saw. So the show is Life of Pi and it got 29 points, 29 out of 30. Let me see why, why did I not give it 30 out of 30? What was the one thing I didn't? Oh, performance, I gave it a nine out of 10. Okay, I don't really know why, but it was just mind blowing. So I think a lot of us have read the book and seen the movie. The whole book slash movie slash musical in and of itself, I guess it's not a musical, it's a play. Play, movie, book, it's all a metaphor. So that feels really strong. And at the end, they really double down on the metaphor and your mind is kind of blown. But I think the most the most breathtaking thing about all of this is this the costumes and the stage design. Basically, this guy, this young guy, this young teenager gets stranded on a boat and has to survive for over 200 days by himself. And the way that they did the stage design with the fish in the water and the ocean and the sea and his family actually owns a zoo and there's this whole thing with all these animals and tigers and they have human, three humans play a tiger. It's like the Lion King. And, you know, the tiger fights and the orangutan fights and the hyena fights and they're all played by humans humans in costume and so watching it is just like it's mind-blowing it, it honestly is 
the stage design, the way that they were able to do all the costumes and be able to really become these animals. And it was like humans being these animals. I can't even describe it and do it justice, but it's mind-blowing. I mean, you truly feel like you're watching someone out at sea fighting a tiger on a Broadway stage. It's just, it's hard to even describe. And so I think for me, and then you obviously, I mean, what's very emotional about the show is watching what he endures to survive and his will to survive. And the whole thing is just, it's like why we see theater, you know? It's like the acting is incredible. It's pushing theater forward. Like that's the other thing. Like it sets a new standard for what you can do on stage. And we were just blown away. I honestly can't even do it justice now talking about, but I couldn't recommend it enough. I honestly couldn't recommend it enough. And seeing it with this guy as the lead is really important. He actually won their version of the Tonys in, in England called the Olivier Awards. He won there and he's just brilliant. The whole show. So anyway, that's my extremely long recap. This ended up being so much longer than I thought, but I could talk about these things forever. Thanks for listening. If you do go to New York and you see any of these shows, please DM me. Let me know what you think. I love talking about this stuff. And again, these are just my opinion and my mom's opinion. You've got to decide for yourself. The only way to do that is to like go buy cheap tickets and go see it. So anyway, Life of Pi, Prima Fossey, and Juliet Parade, Summer 1976. Definitely, definitely see those. At least one of those. Look through, definitely see Life of Pi and then pick one of the other four or something. Or if any of the others I mentioned sound interesting, go see that. But it's so important that we support live theater and it's so important that we we expand our minds and like learn about other people's stories. And I think like theater is one of the best ways to do that. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you for bearing with me. And let me know if you go see a show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20 Something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20 Something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.